0: Hello all, welcome back to our second episode of the Chirpin' Yodis podcast, almost at Spitting Chicklets. Uh, I am joined here with my man Chase and my good old friend StatHead Grandy. Boys, how are you doing? Good. Good? Doing well, Tyler. How about yourself, man? Uh, Not doing too bad, not doing too bad. We had a really killer game uh, last night. Of course, we'll get into that. Uh, But first, I'd like to just talk about something uh, that I personally... Uh, find really near and dear. And that was the skating for Layton this past, uh, was it Sunday? Uh, someone that has lost a couple loved ones, especially one really close to me to cancer. It was really cool. Uh, of course that's an understatement to see the organization do something so moving and amazing, uh, especially not just for Layton, but for, you know, the foundation she has, the scholarship, all that good stuff. Um, what do you boys, uh, think about it? Do you guys uh, also enjoy it?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I don't think I – what the organization did and what Lindsay Fry did in particular is just absolutely amazing. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't shed a tear looking at through, through some of those updates that day. Oh, yeah, sure. And that's for sure. myself who has lost a loved one to camp. It's just – it hits all that much closer, though. And, I mean, Layton was and is an inspiration to – Every Coyotes fan out there, we all know who Layton is. it us just as much as the team.
0: So
1: and,
2: uh, what's your uh, what's your thoughts, Chase? Uh, I just you know from um, an organizational standpoint, I just thought it was just a, a beautiful thing. Um, you know that uh, that precious. Amazing, strong, courageous, brave little soul, um, you know, it was uh, such an inspiration um, to players, coaches, um, fans. I mean, touched everybody's heart, and I thought it was a great gesture. Um, Lindsey Fry is bar none amazing, and you can't thank them enough uh, for, you know, what they did and and all that good stuff. Um, fans and everybody who donated it, you guys knocked it out of the park donated way over the amount of the goal so can't thank you guys enough for that um you know i'm sure it's probably going to be something that you know we continue to do things for in the future or at least i hope so because it's always great to have something to rally behind you know such as this and for such an amazing person um you know i know it was a huge loss to everybody around here um and, you know, we were also tuned into progress and and, and stuff like that. Um, just completely, it, it's it was a positive and a dark, dark time, I feel like, for this organization. And,
0: um, you know, it's all for the best reasons. Absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, I mean, especially with the press we've had, you know, off the ice, it definitely was a very good bright spot. And uh, the day after, we had... One, I guess, heck of a comeback, I can say, uh, being down 3-0, starting with a penalty shot from good old Devo or Red and Bata 2, uh, and then coming back and winning it like we did. I mean, truly uh, pretty good uh, Monday night, for sure. And Tuesday night we recorded, so that's automatically a pretty good night as well. Um, but overall, how are you guys feeling about the standings and the previous two series? Uh, Chase, I'll go ahead and uh, start with you.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I know that the end of the last episode we were riding pretty high. Um, you know, took four out of seven against the Blues. Um, you know, right before we recorded, and uh, you know, said that any time that you know we take half the points against, um, in my mind, superior opponents, uh, you know, we're happy with. Um, not not so right on us right now, as far as far as that goes. Um, you know, these. California team games that we have these are games that we should win almost all of them um, but uh, for whatever reason I don't know if it's um, you know coming off the success of that blue series uh, I'm not sure what it is but it just seems that you know we're slow starting not ready to play um, but um, I mean since the last recording we've had three games like you addressed uh, two against LA one against Anaheim and kind of sitting, um, you know, on the outside looking in right now in a couple of different ways in the standings uh, with 19 points. But I'll let Grandy touch on a little bit more of that and get a little bit more in depth for us, and then we can go into, you know, kind of what we saw in each one of the games there.
1: All right. So as far as the standings go, in the Honda West Division, we have the Vegas Golden Knights in first place with 23 points. A points percentage, which may be the most important thing this season, of 719 and a goal differential of plus 14. The St. Louis Blues are sitting in second place with 22 points, point percentage of 579, and a goal differential of zero. The Colorado Avalanche are sitting in third with 19 a point percentage of 633 and a goal differential of plus 12. This really is a two-team division. I mean, it's pretty unreal. Oh, and yeah, then you yeah. have the, the Kings in fourth place with 19 points, 559 point percentage, and a goal differential of plus six. You have us in sixth place or fifth place, my bad, fifth place with a points 19 point percentage, 528, and goal differential of minus four. And then you have the wild in sixth place with 18 points, 600 point uh, percentage, and a goal differential of plus six. The thing, the biggest thing that sticks out to me, that goal differential of minus four. And why is it, that it's a worrying sign that of the top six teams were the only ones in the minus in the negative? It's it's easily fixed, but goal differential generally will show you what the truly good teams is. Just look at the Colorado and the Vegas goal differential. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and keep in mind we haven't played Colorado yet. Oh, I yeah. can't wait
0: for that. That's for sure. Another thing yep. I
1: would say about the standings right now, when you play these California teams, you need to come away with at least 75% of the points. Through three games in this little run that we're on, we're at 50 with three points. That is not good enough. That is not going to cut it. That is not going to get us to the
0: playoffs. No. No. Nope. Nope. Or at least if we somehow magically do, it won't get us very far. Nope. So yeah. uh,
1: who wants to start with talking on the L.A. series?
0: Uh, it was hard to watch. I will say that. Uh, luckily, I had Aaron Storn in one of the games, and it seems like uh, kind of the better thing to do for sure. I believe it was the first game. And, uh, you know, I really thought those were not easy wins for sure. Nothing's ever easy for our organization, but I thought they'd be a bit more flashy wins. Uh, and so we took two losses and got no points. Uh, that's really all I have to say uh, for now, anyway. Uh,
2: yeah, we, we stole one point from the Kings in, in the first game for taking it to overtime. But, um, you know, kind of going into that series, coming off the Blue Series, uh, I was pretty um, confident go- going in and everything like that. And at my biggest gripe with this, well, actually, I've got lots of gripes with it, but um, before the game even started, um, you got Jalmerson returning from injury, which is which I was hopeful about because. As you'll notice in all these game reviews, our defensive coverage and lapses in our defensive zone, not just by defensemen, by everybody, is just so terrible. And it's amazing that Kemper finds a way to bail us out all the time. We've got Ronza back on the shelf before this game, and Hayton scratched and Labushin scratched in the first game as well. Um, and my biggest takeaway from this is that we just flat out weren't ready to play. Um, they came out and totally dominated the play for us. I have from my notes at least two stretches in this game where we went over ten minutes without a shot on goal, and that, that just can't happen. And on top of like the turnovers and everything like this, I mean, this is a team that we should beat, and they were just manhandling us. What, what do you have on this this first game here, Grandy?
1: On the first game, we got. Utterly and absolutely embarrassed in that first period. Just, okay. we didn't show up. We didn't play. We got outworked. Their two goals weren't the cleanest of goals. They weren't gorgeous. They weren't anything like that. They were pretty dirt. They were pretty dirty, greasy, grimy, and lucky goals. But we still got embarrassed, outplayed and just. It was bad. I thought that second period of the first game, or we did much better. We, I would say we won that period. The Kings still outshot us, but they're also a team that shoots from anywhere, anytime, whether it's a good or bad shot.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Throw it at the net. Hopefully something will happen. I oh, mean, yeah. statistically speaking, right? Something's got to stick. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the
1: Coyotes, I would say, won that second period – and then couldn't keep that up in the third where it was a draw probably leaning more towards the Kings side than the Coyotes.
2: Yep, which, I would agree.
1: Yep. Which we took into overtime and couldn't
2: get anything from. And speaking of overtime, <laughs> I mean, this kind of this kind of thought is pretty much uh, out of the water at this point If uh, when we talk about the... the anaheim game um uh, since they're not together at this moment in time or anything like that but i, I was actually kind of messaging back and forth with you grandy about what i mean at this point we'll just let the, the short leash guys just go to work man and put them all three out there see see what can happen there seem to be decent um you know keeping the puck away from the opposition um they're pretty tenacious after it i mean especially garland uh, they're, they're quick on, on guys and stuff like that and i just uh, i just think you you know might might want to try that once i'd be all for it
1: i mean what's the what is the worst that happens putting three forwards out there you lose the game by giving up a goal on the other end yep what happened to us in said game yep i mean we lost the game we didn't get the extra point that's a, that is the same thing as the worst that could have happened if we had just put the three forwards out there and let them do their work.
2: The yep. yeah. line's working real good, too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's been solid. Um, not so much the past couple of games, they've kind of been off their game, but uh, you know, for the most part, since the time that they were put together, by far, I mean, they're still our best line every night. But, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> I will say that Tockett split them up in the Ducks game. And that was much needed at that point and seemed to spark the other lines and got them going as well. Yeah, um, yeah we had,
0: definitely. We had an Come appearance like that. Eraser.
1: What was that, Chase?
2: I said we actually got a few appearances from that eraser line. Somebody, Some people showed up. Yeah, Kessel.
1: It's about as big of a shock as anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Really glad uh, Kessel showing up, because I just got his jersey this past Christmas. So it does me, does me good. Thought I cursed him for a minute there.
2: Yep. Yeah, so the first game, obviously, shootout loss. Um, this is um, Schmaltz had just a beautiful, silky smooth what you'd expect from him. Goal. Um, Garland missed. Uh, he came in a little too fast, a little too tight, and got fire poked. Dvorak pulled out that Verbata move and scored, and then. Their fourth shooter ended up scoring Velarde. uh, Keller rocketed one over the net, and that's all she wrote for that one. But uh, those two shootout goals that we had are promising from Schmaltz. I mean, he's just so smooth. And then Dvorak, which we'll touch on on another penalty shot uh, in a future game here in a second. So just beautiful with the reverse verbata. One thing I would touch on with the shootout, though, is you should –
1: if you're going to be a good team playing against a lesser team, you shouldn't ever let it get to a shootout. Even the best, it's a 50-50. It's a coin flip at that point. Mm -hmm. Anything can happen with a shootout. Don't let it get to there. Finish it in overtime or better yet in in, uh, the regular game.
2: Yes. Yes. Agreed
0: completely. So besides, oh, um, say, uh, really, I mean, you guys kind of hit the points for me again. Going last, uh, it's another unfortunate loss in LA. But luckily, uh, as I kind of briefly mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, Monday night we kind of started out, should I say, bad, uh, and it had the again, with Dvorak being mentioned again with his verbana moves, started us off with that uh, – started the scoring off, excuse me, with that beautiful penalty shot of his.
2: Uh, against Anaheim, yeah. So we came out pretty much just the same way that we came out against the Kings in that first game against them. It was just putrid. Um, nothing going. Um, you know, they were controlling all the play. Um, then next thing you know, at the end of the first period, we're we're down two to zero and it's just going downhill from there. Start off the second period and they pot another one in there. And at that point, um, you know, like uh, Grandy has harped on many times, it's um, we struggle to score goals. We have very little secondary scoring up until this point. Uh, so at that point, it's almost like that game is over, and you got to have something happen to, um, you know, get the boys going, and see if they can maybe get one, and you know, start swinging some momentum. And a couple different things did happen that uh, you know I, I feel like did spark us. Um, we had some rough stuff, and then um, a, a very aggressive Dvorak on the penalty kill goes down the ice and, uh, you know, draws a a penalty shot on our PK, which uh, was huge. Grandy, I'll kind of let you take over here if you want to touch on what happens next.
1: Um, Well, unfortunately, Monday nights I'm busy, so I don't get a full, unadulterated viewpoint of the game, and I don't have notes with me from that game until the third period. But I will say just from what I watched That first period, yeah, it was putrid. It was bad. And then, yeah, like you said, the second period, we got going. The physical stuff picked us up, got us going, sparked something in the team. Although I still think Dvorak scoring shorthanded did more to spark the team and swing momentum than the physical stuff. That's just going to be something I know we agree to disagree on. Um. It's just, again, though, this is the worst offensive team in the league, the Ducks are. We let up three goals in the first period to them. That should not happen. They shouldn't be out shooting us at any point during a game. This is a putrid offensive team that we are playing against. Yes, they had their bright, shiny new rookie playing, but rookies Generally, don't make an impact. And even though Zegras had flashes, he didn't make an impact in that game. It's Agreed. just we let ourselves get beat by them in that first minute a or period and a half of that game, and that's what has got to come out of this team. Um, the Ducks game. Finally, we got some secondary scoring going. Still not quite to the area I'd want it because I would not call Dvorak secondary scoring. He is one of our he is our leading goal scorer. Yeah.
2: But and a piece of the core.
1: But the last three games, we have had secondary scoring with Kessel and Brass chipping it. Um, we still need to get more, and that is something that is sorely missed sorely lacking from this team, even if you have a great fantastic best first line in the league you need the other lines cont- to contribute to do anything in this league yep it's, yep. it's what it
2: is yep, exactly. yeah so obviously um, you know Dvorak um, you know, on the PK comes in um, gets hauled, hauled down or hooked or held I can't remember what the call is I, I, I want to say holding but um, I can't remember off the top of my head gets awarded a penalty shot yeah um, Pulls that beautiful reverse for move again, and just uh, you know, Gibson just it doesn't stand a chance there. That that brought us to three to one, um, and then from there, um, Broussard ended up scoring um, in uh, the second as well. Um, got a dish from, I believe, the primary assist was Garland uh, secondary from Kessel. Um, And so that brought us to three to two and Chikrin came in on another breakaway. And this goal took, I can't remember, I think two separate reviews on to see if it was going to count or not. Um, But ultimately it ended up counting. Uh, This is probably going to be the craziest sequence of scoring events you see from this team as this all took place. Um, in about three minutes and 47 seconds uh, for three goals for us, which is pretty much unheard of. We're not that type of offensive firepower team. Um, but you got to give kudos to the boys. Um, I was, you know, right after that third goal at the beginning of the second period, would end, I was ready to stick a fork at them. Um, it's just like, not only do we struggle to score goals, but you know we're obviously playing an elite tender and Gibson, um, and you know up until that point we just had not played well and. Um, it's just like the boys didn't have it. Um, kudos to Tauket, though. He did juggle up the lines, um, switch Kajula up onto the short leash line minus Garland, so you had Kajula centered by Schmaltz and on the other wing and then you got Garland playing with uh, Brass and then Kessel on the other wing, and it did um, help that line, obviously. They did get on the score sheet there. Um, that Broussard goal, all three of them contributed to that Broussard from Garland and Kessel. So that, that is definitely a, a good thing to see. We've joked about that line in the past that uh, pretty much anybody you put with them gets erased and, you know, all that good stuff. So hopefully that's something that can continue. Um, and then Devo ends up potting the game winner in the third period um, on a tip-in shot Uh, Assisted from Chickren and Keller. Um, So, huge game from Chick. Um, Just a a huge comeback for us. Um, It's not something that I expected. um, You know, with about eight minutes into the second period, I did not expect us to be, uh, you know, on the top by the end. Any thoughts from you on this game, Tyler?
0: Oh, yes. Um, Quite a few things that you brushed on. And uh, I was actually only I think I came in and I don't know why I remember the exact minute I came into the game. But I think it was nine 17 or something like that. I'm pretty sure uh, now I'm doubting myself. Right. But <laughs> um, kind of thoughts too. When I first saw the score three nil, uh, I was like, well, you know, I'll put it on just to show my support. And then just to see the immediate flip. I was like, Oh, well, all right. Um, again, touching all the points, but another thing I wanted to bring up is I'm just seeing some of the, whispers and frustration with particularly uh, OEL and his captaincy. Do you think he has any positive, negative to do with uh, this past series per se? I mean, since he's kind of come back, uh, it seems like he's not as sharp as he was. I just want to know what you guys kind of thought about that. I'll start with you, Grandy. He's not as sharp as he was. I mean,
1: I think OEL gets harped on way too much. I think he did come back before he was fully healthy, which at the same time as, oh, well, he shouldn't have done that. I mean, we needed him to. as Even with him not at 100%, he's better than what we were throwing out there to replace him. He's not playing. If you had to guess, and I just want one of you guys to throw out a quick guess, where does he stand on time per ice per game?
0: I'm sure in 20 minutes at time.
1: But he is not number one on our team or number two. Hmm. It's not like he's playing as much as Chikrin or um, Goligosky is actually out playing him as well as far as minutes per game. As he comes to Brownie back into form, and we've seen we've seen pieces of that from him um, as he's coming back. He has six assists on the year in six games played. He has made several nice plays. He's not as sharp as he could be, but with what I'm what I'm seeing with what I And looking at, I'm talking that up to him not being 100% personally and him just getting way too much of the blame from fans for everything, essentially, because he's not don't. He's not what we want to see out of captain, so he gets a bigger
0: chunk of blame than he should, essentially. Yeah, I would agree to that. That's actually kind of what I was uh, kind of thinking as well. It's hard to replace Stone. He is definitely a Valley icon for sure. And also, you know, especially a welcome piece to the uh, front office we just got. But Chase, uh, do you have anything to add?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, echoing kind of the, the same thing that you guys touched on. Unfortunately, somebody had to be that next person to wear the C. And, you know, we did do the... 3A thing there for a while and then ended up naming him captain. And, um, you know, it's an uphill battle for whoever's going to come after Shane Doan. Um, it's, you know, it's no, no one is ever going to live up to Doan and a lot of these fans eyes. Um, I've, I question his leadership skills sometimes, but it, it's not necessarily that he doesn't lead. He's a different kind of leader. He's more quiet, um, I feel like he tries to, um, you know, do things a little bit more probably by example than to, um, you know, be harping or yelling or, you know, being loud about it, um, which definitely is uh, a valid leadership style. Um, but uh, it, it's not done. But as far as him not being as sharp, I, I agree with Grandy there. I don't, I don't think that he's 100 percent. There's something linger in there. He doesn't look like himself yet. Um, that will hopefully obviously improve with more reps. Um, but he did miss a good chunk of time, and we did need him back desperately. We can't be throwing Bianco and Soderström out there yet. Um, it's just the, the drop-off is um, huge. On And this is what, kind of what I touched on in the last episode. Uh, defense was always supposed to be one of our strong suits. Um, we're kind of past our prime in a lot of those spots right now so we we need the OEL to be back there we need Chikrin to be huge for us um, somebody that I don't always like watching play is osterly but even he's been better as of late and that's needed or a welcome you know performance there um, but, uh, as far as OEL, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll get it figured out. Um, and hopefully he can continue to get healthy and, uh, you know, contribute for this push to the end of the year for us.
0: Okay. Uh, granny, anything to uh, add? I see your hand raised
1: here. Yeah. I had one thing I wanted to add to that. And that actually was chase talking about his personal, least favorite player on the team, Osterley, and, I know me and Chase have talked about this before, and I know Chase is coming around, but Osterley has had a fantastic season this year. It's something that I think needs to be – he needs to get some credit for it. I don't want him playing the amount of minutes he is playing. I want him – I think he's best used on the third pairing, and right now we're having to play him like he's a second or even top pairing guy but he really has risen to the occasion. He has played he stepped up a year. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that was the only thing I wanted to add was just put some praise out there for a guy
0: <laughs> who doesn't get a lot of praise. Doesn't get a lot of praise. Well, so another thing, uh, I guess I'll use that as a rough transition to our first brand new segment, the prospect pool party with professor Grandy here. He's going to, educate us because I am not the most involved in the prospects and other names, but I don't follow them as closely and I'm looking forward to turning it over to professor Grandy to let us know how he feels about our current prospect pool. Go ahead and take it away.
1: All right. So first we're going to start with our first top prospect we have in our prospect pool. That is going to be Victor Soderstrom. He is a right shot defenseman who plays a very offensive style is has two very elite areas of his game with puck movement and his skating ability. He skates like the wind. Um, some areas of his that will need improvement are defense and in general physicality, both of which physicality will never be his game, but we'll get to there. Um as far as how he's looked, he's held his own in Tucson. He has one assist in four games. And yeah, that's about all I have for him today. Tucson just hasn't played really enough games to comment anymore. Then also on Yan Yanik, our second best prospect we have. Uh, he plays more of a power forward, kind of rugged, crash the net, shoot type of game. Um, but he has really good hands for what he does. His skating isn't the best, and that's going to be his biggest question mark coming into the league. Uh, but down in Tucson, he has one goal and four assists in four games for a total of five points. We, he should be playing next game, hopefully on a line with our best young player, Barrett Hayton. It's going to be interesting to see all three of them down in Tucson together, and I am looking forward to that tomorrow, Wednesday.
0: You'll have the notes yep. ready for us as well,
1: right? Oh, yeah, that is for sure. I will be watching that game. Can't
2: wait. Uh, so,
0: Oh, sorry. Did, what do you going to say?
2: No, it's perfect. I so appreciate it. Uh, just so you guys know, we're, we're going to break up that uh, new segment. Um, Randy's going to go ahead and touch on one or two prospects um, every – week or every other week. We haven't quite decided how often we're going inter- to interject that into the show, but um, just kind of want to get you guys familiar and actually um, ourselves as well, because like Tyler said, I, I, I know the names. Um, I don't watch very much AHL hockey, but it's something that I plan on doing. Um, and then, so we'll all kind of learn and, uh, you know, kind of be able to formulate an opinion and kind of see where we see these guys slotting in the future.
0: Exactly. Uh, like I guess I used to watch a lot of AHL hockey, especially back in college. I went to a college out here in Texas and I saw a bunch of Texas stars. I got to see a bunch of uh, names grow up and unfortunately beat our Coyotes in their home arena. But to wrap it up, I once a week, I try to come up with a just do out there question, something fun to kind of get us and the viewers kind of uh, juicing our thoughts here. And my question this week, I did not have it written down for you guys to see. Uh, my girlfriend came up with this one, actually, so I'll give her credit. Uh, the question is, who on the current Coyote's roster could you beat in a one-on-one fistfight?
1: Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> but they would have to tell like, <laughs> and, and why is that? Uh, I have the reach on him. <laughs> and that's really about all that there is. Garland, I have the reach on too, but I don't give myself much of
0: a hope with Garland. So yeah, tough, uh, tough head he has. Took a puck to the jaw and all that a couple of years ago. Definitely got a doesn't have a glass jaw. Yeah, you know, I don't I, think
2: it's beating like Garland in a fist fight. There, no, nah, no, nah, the dude takes cross checks to the neck and sticks to the face, pucks to the face. So you know, you're, you're going to have trouble putting
0: that one down. Who could you put down if you could? Who's your pick?
2: Oh, Granny took mine because that's like the safe one. Um, I whew, maybe Schmalti. I would say he, um, not known as a very physical guy, kind of uh, you know dangles out there, tries tries to avoid the contact. Um, I'd probably have to go Schmalti. So. It's looking like if uh, Grandy and I played on a line and we were thrown out there against Gar or uh, and Keller, it probably wouldn't go so good for them, huh? <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it fine. So good. As far as that
1: aspect, <laughs> you think how they would be skating circles around us? So, oh, dude, no,
2: man, I'd be sucking for water after 15 seconds, bro.
0: <laughs> uh, five more than I got—that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> I think be um, we took, we took too easy. Who's your answer? Oh, I'd <laughs> probably say Keller because he's the only one that's close to my five foot nine height. Um, and honestly, like I said, if it's a foot race, he probably wins. But I think, thanks to my college lacrosse skills and, and uh, years of playing, not a big deal. I could probably handle it. Um, but one guy I wouldn't fight, honest to goodness, I would not fight is Darcy Kemper. I feel like that dude would absolutely just shred as you've seen him, he threw down a little Brady Kachuk that what was it last year. Uh, he yeah. kind of scares me, actually. And the look in his eye on his uh, little picture for like Fox Sports or whatever, that, it scares me, genuinely. Glad he's oh, on yeah, our that, team.
2: That was yeah. Matthew Kachuk, but yeah. He, he That's what it was, away. yeah. Excuse me, yep. yeah. Yep, yeah, and then uh, I can't even... Who was it that he uh, went after in the Anaheim game? Was that John? Couples. It was, uh, I think it was Max Jones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was See? Jones. He's a yeah. shark.
0: Absolute, yeah. just will throw you to the ground. I, I don't know, man. I just I couldn't do it. Darcy Kemper, I'll just walk away, take my wallet, take my keys, take whatever you need. Kemper the guy. Yeah. If you do a
1: bar fight with him, he's picking you up and throwing you through the window.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's the hope. They hope he does that rather than the alternative. Yeah, you could, you could tell he was
2: obviously so frustrated with, with, the, with the game up until that point. Camper uh, has that uh, ability to just kind of flip that switch, and um, I love to see it. But, uh, you know, obviously it, it cost us an extra penalty there. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if it helped himself get more in tune with the game or, or whatnot because he did seem kind of a, a little bit off as well. But, um you know, for the most part, obviously he's our, he's
0: our best player. So um, our best fighter too. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I'm telling you boogeyman under the bed kind of scares there, but I guess we should go ahead and wrap this episode up. We are getting short on our little allotted time here. Uh, So any last minute thoughts you guys want to go ahead and save for our next recording session?
1: Nothing that comes to my mind. So I guess we'll just see everyone next week.
2: Yeah, nothing here either. Um, obviously, just hope that, uh, you know, we start coming out ready to play and not having to dig ourselves out of holes as we are not uh, a firepower team. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's a struggle for us to score more than two goals a game. So, um, it. Does us a lot better if we come out ready to play and not have to chase the game in the later stages because uh it, it just very rarely, I mean, it's worked a couple of times for us this year, but um you know it's difficult to do for this team.
0: Absolutely. And I guess to close out my personal thoughts, uh thank you guys for all the feedback. I'll uh, been listening. Uh, all of us have received good messages, positive feedback. Uh, keep them coming. Uh follow us on Twitter. I believe it's at the chirpinyodies or at chirpinyodis uh and facebook we also have a facebook page um and that's it guys i think uh we're ready to see you hopefully next week
2: perfect thanks boys yes sir thank have you